Can we open our Bibles? Jeremiah 29. And we are going to take um, our text from verse 1 until verse 7. I'm reading it uh, using the New King James Version. And it says, Now these are the words of the letter that Jeremiah the prophet sent from Jerusalem to the remainder of the elders who were carried away captive, to the priests, the prophets, and all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had carried away captive from Jerusalem to Babylon. This happened after Jeconiah the king, the queen mother, the eunuchs, the princes of Judah and Jerusalem, the craftsmen and the smiths had departed from Jerusalem. The letter was sent by the hand of Alasa, the son of Shephan, and Gemariah, the son of Helgiah whom Zedekiah the king of Judah sent to Babylon, to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to whom, to all who were carried away captive, whom I have caused to be carried away from Jerusalem to Babylon, build houses and dwell in them, plant gardens and eat their fruit, Take wives and beget sons and daughters. And take wives for your sons and give your daughters to husbands, so that they may bear sons and daughters, and that you may be increased there and not diminish. And seek the peace of the city where I have caused you to be carried away captive. And pray to the Lord for it. For in its peace you will have peace. We bless the Lord for, for the reading of his word and may the Lord add his blessing um, upon his word. Now, my name is um, Sepo and um, I'm grateful for the opportunity to share the word with all of you. And also, we thank God for allowing us to come here as his children to learn from him, to learn of his word, and to go out from here knowing what the will of God for us is. So my brother Ntlantla came here and he preached about the gospel. And he spoke of the trustworthiness of this gospel. My brother Smoo also came and he added another dimension to what Ntlantla was saying. To say when the gospel reaches the heart of or a life of a person, what does it do? 
And his message was this gospel changes everything. And these two messages focus on what we'll call the individual level as a Christian. They speak about you and they speak to you. And, and they tell us if we have received this gospel, what kind or, or, or how does a life lived in Christ looks like? Now I'm coming to tell you about the corporate level. What then? We have received the gospel. We love Jesus. The gospel has changed everything in our lives. And uh, it changed the relationship. It has changed our hearts. We are living it out. We have believed it. So what? Is that the end of it all? And I'm here to say that this gospel has another side. That it is a message that we are to send to the rest of those who do not know Jesus Christ. And I'm not here to deal with the whys or not the, not the how, sorry. I'm not here to deal with the how, but I'm here to hopefully encourage each and every one of us to see that we have responsibility as the body of Jesus Christ to go out and share this good news which we have been speaking about today. If we look at the context in which Jeremiah the prophet is writing in his, his writing during what we know as the Babylonian captivity. And this started around 597 before the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. God was angry with Judah. He was not pleased with Judah. And God tells Jeremiah that he's going to punish uh, Judah through the Babylonians. And we know that at this time the king of Babylon is Nebuchadnezzar. And when he arrived in Israel, he took away some of the people, not all. And among those whom he took, the Bible tells us that it was the priests. And not only the priests, the prophets, and all the people, the elders. He took uh, Jeconiah and the queen mother. So, we can even locate Daniel in this group. That he was part of the captives taken through the Babylonian captivity. Now, these people are in Babylon because of the will of God. They are in Babylon because of the plan and the pleasure of the Lord. That is why when you read Jeremiah 29 verse 4, it says, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, unto all that are carried away captive, whom I have caused to be 
carried away. God is the cause of them being in Babylon. God had willed for these people to be in Babylon. Now, who was Babylon? Babylon was an empire of that time. We read about it in mostly the Old Testament. It was a political and a religious empire. It was a powerful uh, empire. And the capital of Babylon was Babylonia. And at that time, it was one of the greatest civilization. And the word of God in Habakkuk tells us that Babylon was a cruel and violent nation. It was a violent people. And if you read Habakkuk chapter 1 verse 6, God says to the prophet Habakkuk, I am raising up Babylon, a cruel and a violent people. They were notorious, famous, well-known for their cruelty and for doing whatever they liked and pleased. Babylon was a proud and arrogant empire, scoffing at kings and princes, respecting no one. Babylon gathered people as they gather sand, the Bible tells us. And it says their strength was his God. Babylon was not only a proud and cruel an arrogant nation, but it was also an idolatrous nation. When you read Isaiah 47, it speaks about Babylon. And as Isaiah in chapter 47 describes Babylon as a proud and arrogant, wicked empire. And even according to Daniel chapter 4, we read that the king of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, was punished by God for his pride. When he stood up and looked at the kingdom of Babylon and said, see what my hands have built. Now God takes the captives of Judah and he puts them in this wicked, proud and arrogant and violent idolaters idolatrous nation. God takes his people and he puts them amongst the people who are considered the most brutal and cruel respecting no God. And who are these people who are taken? When we read Jeremiah chapter 24 verse 1 the Lord tells the prophet Jeremiah and he says the Lord showed me showed me and behold two baskets of figs were set before the temple of the Lord. After that Nebuchadnezzar king of Babylon had carried away the captives Jeconiah the son of Jehoiakim king of Judah and the princes of Judah with the carpenters and the smith from Jerusalem and had brought them to Babylon. One basket had very good figs, even like the figs that 
were that are first ripe and the other basket had very naughty figs which could not be eaten. They were so bad. Then said the Lord unto me, What seest thou, Jeremiah? And I said, Figs, the good figs, very good, and the evil, very evil, that cannot be eaten, they are so evil. Again, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, like these good figs, so will I acknowledge them that are carried away captive of Judah, whom I have set. I have sent out of this place into the land of the Chaldeans for their good. I will set my eyes upon them for good and I will bring them again to this land and I will build them and no, not pull them down and I will plant them and not plug them up. I will give them a heart to, to know me that I am the Lord and they shall be my people. And I will be their God. For they shall return unto me with their whole heart. So, according to the word of God. To Jeremiah speaking about who these people were. These were good people. These were people that the Lord had chosen to set his face upon. To look at with grace. These are the people that the Lord said, I will be their God and they will be my people. They will turn with all of their hearts to me. And God tells Jeremiah, I have taken these people to uh, Babylon for their own good. And God gives an illustration of good things. Said these are good things. But then there are bad figs. Those whom the Lord left in Jerusalem. And God said, I'm leaving them to punish them. I will send pestilences. I will send a sword. But those that the Lord had taken to Babylon was not for their punishment. But God says it was for their good. But what was the attitude of this remnant. What was the attitude of these people loved so much by God that God says, I'm taking them to Babylon for their good. I am saving them for what I'm going to bring on uh, Judah. I want to punish Judah. And everyone left in Judah. They, the captives of Judah, saw this as a wicked thing. They saw their presence in Babylon as a bad thing. And they wished that they could be taken back to Jerusalem. Their attitude was, we do not want to be in Babylon. We would rather be in Jerusalem, the Holy Land. A place on the hill where our temple resides where we offer sacrifices, holy sacrifices to our God. These people were taken captive against their will, but according to the will of God. 
They didn't want to be there. So these good people longed to return back to Jerusalem immediately. They were desperate that God would come and save them and take them back to Jerusalem, their home. They thought, how can a good people like us be among such a wicked, proud and arrogant, violent, People, surely this can be the will of God. How can us who worship the true living God of heaven, the creator of heaven and earth, be amongst such idolatrous people? Surely this cannot be the will of the Lord for his people. They thought, surely the Lord will not hasten to come and save us and return us to Jerusalem, our holy place, where the true and living God is worshipped. To sum up their attitude towards their stay in Babylon, we can look at Psalm 137, Psalm chapter 137 from verse 1 till verse uh, four, it says, by the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down. Yeah, we wept when we remembered Zion. We hanged our hearts upon the willows in the midst thereof. For they that carried away, uh, that carried us away captive required of us a song. They that wasted us required of us men saying, sing us one of the songs of Zion. How shall we sing the Lord's song in a strange, in a strange land? They didn't want to be there. When they remembered Jerusalem, they wept, they cried. Even when the Babylonians would come and say, hey, we hear that you guys are the people of the God of heaven. Can you sing for us? One of the lost songs. Can you sing for us the songs that you sang in Zion? They refused and said, how can we sing the song of the Lord in this strange land? How can we practice our religion and spirituality in this wicked and evil place? How can we be the people of God when we are removed from our home? Jerusalem. And I think this sums up nicely the attitude that they had towards Babylon. Israel was in despair, or Judah was in despair when they were in Babylon. Israel was in great sorrow and grief when they were forced to live in exile. They longed to return to their homeland, Jerusalem. Judah. They were not even willing to, to sing and say, yes, we are the people of God. These are the songs we sing to our God. They were not willing to share even their spirituality or their faith with these wicked and pe evil people. We don't want to be here. Surely the Lord must come and save us. Surely the Lord will send a deliverer quickly. So that we can go back to the business of worshipping our Lord 
in our own name, in our own beautiful temple, offering our sacrifices of praise and worship and prayer to Him. Therefore, this kind of attitude led Israel or Judah to be desperate. And you know when where there is desperation, scammers and deceivers rise and they take advantage. Most people are scammed and deceived because the scammer knows how to create a state of desperation. And he feeds on that desperation. So even here in Babylon we see prophets and diviners rise up and they begin to tell the people surely the Lord will save you very soon we as a Masinian of Jesus is coming to save you from Babylon deliver you from this wicked place take you back and even when we read Jeremiah 29 verse 8, the Lord addresses the false prophets and he says, For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, let, let not your prophets and your diviners that be in your midst deceive you. Neither hearken to your dreams which cause you to dream. God tells the people, do not listen to them, they are lying. Yes, you may interpret what's happening to you as an evil thing. But if you would see things from my perspective as God, you would understand that it is for your good. And it is an act of grace from my part. It is an act of love from my part to take you to Babylon. The Lord, through prophet Isaiah, Tells them something that their prophet was not telling them. The Lord was saying to these people in Jeremiah 29 from verse 14, verse 7. I'm not going to save you quickly. Your captivity in Babylon will be for 70 years. 70 years you will remain in this place. And the Lord says to Israel, those who are carried away captive, that is Jeremiah 29 verse 4, whom I have caused to be carried away from Jerusalem to Babylon, build ye houses and dwell in them. Plant gardens and eat the fruit of them. Take wives and beget sons and daughters. And take wives for your sons. And give your daughters to husbands, that they may bear sons and daughters, that you may be increased there in Babylon, and not diminish. And the Lord says, and seek the peace of the city, whether I have caused you to be carried away captive. And pray to the Lord for it, for in the peace thereof, you shall have peace. God had determined that the captives of Judah will be there for 70 years. So through the prophet Jeremiah, he tells them, settle down. Establish your lives 
in Babylon. We do not go around building houses in taxi rank and bus stops and train stations. For we know that we are there for a short time. But God says Babylon is not a train station. It's not a taxi rank. This is a place where you are to set up your embassy. The embassy of the kingdom of God. Build houses and dwell in them. Plant gardens and eat of their fruit. Marry. Take wives. Have kids. Give your kids to marriage. I have a plan for you. And my plan will unfold in the period of 70 years for you in this place. And the Lord says to them something that even if I was there, probably I would say, ha -ah. I understand the building of houses and the planting of vineyards is for my own good and survival. But what you are saying now, ah -ah. the Lord says, seek the peace of the city where I have caused you to be carried away. Remember, to Israel, Babylon is an enemy who attacked their home and taken them as slaves by force. That's who Babylonian, Babylon is. This is my enemy. This is the person who took me by force. People died when Babylon invaded Israel. People lost relatives. They lost property. Their homes were burning. Babylon didn't come to Israel and say, we just want to take those who volunteer to come to Babylon. Please uh, register your names there. It was against their will. And the Lord says, seek the peace of these people. Seek the peace of the city of Babylon. The word is peace. It's a Hebrew word called shalom. It means wholeness, completeness, soundness, health. The word shalom implies a state of complete harmony. A state of well-being in every aspect of life. A state of well-being physically, emotionally, spiritually, and relationally. The Lord tells his people, seek the peace, seek the shalom, the completeness of these people to God. Babylon is a broken city. It's a broken people. Yes, it's proud, it's strong militarily, it's arrogant and it's wealthy financially, making itself rich and living in comfort by annexing other nations and plundering them and taking their wealth. If there was a nation like this today, would say it's the most successful nation. We'd call it a superpower and we would want to go there and immigrate and go and live there and establish careers there. But when, it, when God looks at Babylon through his honest, truthful, divine eyes, God sees a broken city, a lost people. 
And God says to his people, you are to seek the peace, the shalom, the completeness of this people. Why am I saying all this? You see, 2010 we planted a church in Mamelodi, and for seven years we were alone, never having any contact with anyone outside our church. So we had been from the charismatic movement, that's where I was uh, saved and grew a bit there. But then the Lord started to pointing my eyes to the true gospel. And as I began learning the true word of God, learning about what Christ has done and how I cannot pay it back. A church was planted from there. So we were reforming and we were reforming together as a church. And for seven years, we were inward looking because we were growing in our love for God. We were growing in our knowledge of his doctrines and his word. But one thing that always eluded us was we did not, we could not understand why are we there. And once I listened to a very faithful preacher of the word saying these words, but probably I understood him out of context. When he said, the world is a sinking Titanic and there is no use trying to rearrange the furniture. This world is going to be destroyed and the church is a lifeboat. And I understood him to say, take care of those in this lifeboat. Don't care about anyone. They will open when somebody knocks at the door will open, but we are not going anywhere. Because the world is so evil. It's so wicked, so cruel, so violent, idolaters. So we could not make the transition at that time to understand that we are given the gospel of Jesus Christ firstly for our own salvation. But then after we have been saved, we are made ambassadors and messengers of the same to go out and tell others this is what the Lord has done. Now we just want to draw parallels. Firstly, just like the remnant carried captive to Babylon, the church of God is good and pleasing to God. The same way these people were pleasing to God and he was pleased to, to, to set his eyes upon them, the Lord is pleased to set his eyes upon his church. To God, his church is good because he makes it good. 
like the remnant in Babylon, the church of Christ, us who believe in Christ Jesus, are God's people and He is our God. God has given His church His heart to know, the heart to know Him. The church is God's people here on this earth at this particular point. That's who the church is. God's people. Those that the Lord is pleased. And like Babylon, the world we live in is corrupt, wicked, violent, arrogant. The world we live in, like Babylon, are idolaters, worshipping all kinds of false gods. And like the captives of Judah, we also long for a home apart from this end. We also long for a home in heaven with our Lord. That's where we would rather be. We even sing about our beautiful home. There's a uh, uh, and we sing it that's the home we long for like the captives who longed for Jerusalem and many Christians they even despair and find it difficult to practice their faith in Christ Jesus in this strange land, in this wicked, evil, God-hating, idolatrous world of ours. We may be tempted also to hang our harps, our instruments of worship, and to say this world is not worth it to even hear these nice and uh, spiritual songs of faith we sing. However, like the captives in Judah, uh, like the captives of Judah in Babylon, the church is here by God's will. We are here by the will of God. The church exists in this world because God was pleased to leave himself a remnant a people whom he calls his own and who call him their own God this is by God's pleasure and design therefore we like the captives in Babylon we are to seek the shalom, the good, the prosperity, the well-being of the cities that God has placed us in. We are there as instruments 
of God's grace. We are there to become what I would call an incarnate church. Throughout history you have different manifestations of the church and even now you have manifestations of the church and sometimes the church becomes protestant and I don't mean it in a sense of protestantism as you understand it but I mean it in a sense of the church is known by what it does not approve and if you do not have a protesting church you have a cultural church and this is a church which assimilates into the culture of the society that it exists in. It compromises. And it becomes ineffective and useless because it looks like the society it exists in. But we are to become the incarnate church that brings the knowledge, the values of Christ in the community it lives in. Christ gathered us to send us. We are to evangelize the lost in our city. And this we can do if we genuinely have love and pity for them. We need to pity them. We need to say how we pray that they could see and know what we know. How they can see the beauty of our God and His grace and His love and patience and kindness. And the Lord does not only say seek the peace, meaning actively work towards, but He says pray for the city. Pray for them to me. And I know we're praying for the city. But we need to be deliberate. Pray that the gospel of Jesus Christ reaches the cities we are in. This is an army of God. The people here they spread out even into crevices and cracks. You would never think that the gospel can reach. How would it be beautiful if all of us can see the responsibility of making Christ known to the spaces where God has placed us. You go where I don't go. I'm in spaces where you are not. But if we all hear and believe and trust that our God is true, He's kind, He's loving, He's all wise and He knows what He's doing and would open our mouths and speak of our Lord. How I wish and pray that God can do to us what He did to the Samaritan woman. A woman who was sneaking to the well. But when she met Jesus, she left her pots and ran to the city where she was shamed. Where she was an outcast. 
and said, come and see a man who has told me everything I've ever done. What is it that God did to this woman? We make excuses. We can't go and preach and share the gospel because I need to understand the ecclesiology. I need to understand the doctrine, you know, of um, whatever. What doctrine did she understand? I'm not saying if we go out there, we don't have need for doctrine. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying something happened that at least at the basic level she was willing to share with someone what God has done for her. Come and see. We all have something that the Lord has done for us. But we are not sharing with our neighbors. When they cry, we cry like them. They complain, we add to the voices, we complain. We can say, this is what the Lord has done for me. Come and see. And as they believe the gospel, that they will see and be taught all these other doctrines of Jesus Christ. We are not only to share but we have a duty as Christians to model. We are to model what a life with Christ is. How is a marriage in Christ looks like? How does a business in God, in Christ, looks like? How does parenting in Christ looks like? How does education in, in Christ looks like? How does having a career in Christ looks like? We are to model to those inside the church and outside the church how this thing should look like. The possibilities of what they can become if they would respond to God's call. We are to model it. But truly speaking, look at many Christians and you look at their lives in Christ, you do not want it. You say, they feel that shame for you. know when they look at us, they say, shame. I want a life. There's something wrong with how we, we model our life in Jesus. How does bereavement look like for a child of God? How does prosperity and excitement look like for a child of God? How does growth and success and importance look like for a child of God? As pastors who are saying, the models are on TikTok. Hallelujah. I was asking young men in my church, who wants to become a pastor? And they all said, yeah, yeah. I said, probably it's how I model this thing. Yes, it's by God's calling, but they should desire it. I said, you know what? If the Lord calls me, I'm going to respond. 
Hallelujah. I want to conclude by reading to you a poem. And then I'm done. And this poem is titled The Inviting Church That Has Forgotten That It Is Sent. The church that stands so tall and proud, believing that its doors will draw the crowd, a beacon of light for all to see, but blind to the lost who roam free in sin. The gospel of Christ it has forgotten, its mission lost, its purpose rotten, content, content to bask in its own light, but ignoring the lost who cry out in plight. His message of love it no longer shares, its feet no longer beautiful, now it declares, come to us, our doors are open. Make the journey come to us. Ignoring the commandment to go and share the good news. The power of marketing, it trusts in full. But the power of Christ, it has forgotten, it forgets to pull its focus inward it has now become and the lost it has left to wander and roam in sin. Oh church, remember your calling to go and share, to keep on falling on your knees before the Lord and take up the cross that you have ignored. For the gospel is power to heal and to save. It is not just for those who sit in the pews, but for the lost who wander in despair and sin. That you are called to love and to care. So let your light shine for all to see and go and share the gospel so free for the lost who need your love and the Christ who reigns above. Can bow our heads and just thank God. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for reminding us that we are your ambassadors, those whom you have left here in this wicked, lost, arrogant, idolatrous world. May we not be an inviting church. We don't invite a church with things, its doors and programs. And liturgy will call people to Christ. May we not be a church that trusts in its marketing and advertising creativities. May we be a church that trusts in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Who are so convinced that this is the power of God to salvation. That they share the gospel to every man. Lord, we pray that as tell us on our tears when they share the gospel. As drivers, as we transport people, we may share the gospel. 
as nurses and doctors we may share the gospel as lawyers accountants and so forth we may share the gospel wherever we are with our neighbors may we share your way may we not be the church which has forgotten the power of Jesus Christ to save the lost and the sinful for to such we are sent May we be a sent and going church. A church that knocks on people's doors, telling them about the grace found in the cross when the Lord gave his life in our stead. We bless you, glorify you. Amen.